so I'm excited to be here with you guys after our launch on Boundaries. And today's talk on healing through dreams denied is going to be incredible. Despite the initial gloomy expectations, the lessons and wisdom shared shed light, hope, and purpose. Grief is a universal emotion and there is no one size fit all approach to healing. The pain of sudden loss, particularly when coupled with tragic circumstances, is indescribable. Lynette, who you're going to meet, tragically lost her son to violence while serving as president of the Oakland City Council in 2019. She had no choice but to grieve publicly. Her heartfelt posts honoring her son's memory served as her way of healing in the early days. Victor, Lynette's son, was a remarkable individual, destined for greatness. His immense talent was purposeful. And it left a lasting impression. You know, I read Lynette's interview with Barr and it was intriguing to learn about his partner and the truth Lynette has had to confront since his passing. And that's why I knew this conversation was meant for someone I deeply respect. To Mim West, or Papa West as I fondly call him, to Mim was my ninth grade English teacher. He taught advanced English and he was my only he was only my third black male teacher he was also the first openly black gay man i knew and he defied the stereotypical gay man image his experiences life and who he was as a person intrigued me not just his orientation he was tough and i sometimes cursed him under my breath but i am forever grateful today when you listen to the honest and intimate exchange between these two powerful individuals sharing their humanity, you will understand why. So get ready because we're about to be all in your face, healing through dreams denied. You do not want to miss this. Yeah. And so I've literally known Lynette all my life. Like, in essence, okay. this is Desenique's godmom. So okay. up, we used to go after ele- after elementary school, we would go to her house and stay there and, and run around with Victor and, like, play with him. And he was always this amazing, like, this weird little funky little kid. We were younger, bothered us, got on our nerve. But as we got older, just seeing him with the drums and everything, and it was just watching him grow and blossom. So when he got to OSA and just seeing where he went after it wasn't a shock when mm-hmm. he went because of the foundation he had. Um but just seeing the life that he lived um was you knew it. You saw his parents and God Daddy and just the foundation that you guys set. I think the most interesting for me that has been the most shocking and I say it was like not even a dream deferred but like a dream denied was this aspect of this other aspect of him when I read that bar article after his passing um, and I sent it to you. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if you want to kind of talk a little bit about it and how you came to know about that. I don't want to put words. So, um, you know, Victor had shared with me his journey on parents weekend, like 2017. Thank I mean, 2018, which one of those parents begins? I mean, he's so Victor. He's like, I'm not coming out to you. Like, I don't believe anybody's mm. coming out, but I'm just sharing mm. where I am and, you know, who I'm seeing. And I was like, okay. But I could tell he was really nervous 
um, and mm. sharing it with me. And, and, and um, you know, all I did was to come lay with me, you know, like I had an air, air mattress in his dorm. And I was like, just come lay with me, come snuggle. And we just snuggled and that was, you know, you could see the vulnerability of your 20, 21 year old. Um, and still like, he's such a man, but he still has this moment, this, this space of vulnerability and how he was showing up. So, and unfortunately it was not too long after that. Like I didn't get to meet his partner until I was at the more identifying him. Right. So, um, yeah, so we didn't get to share fully in what he was experiencing in SE other than the conversations we were having by phone. Wow. That's a that's a powerful moment of reflection. Tatiana, I think you're familiar with my first book, Red Dirt Revival. And interestingly, and I hope this is an opportunity to share this, um, you know, with our friend, um, you mentioned Parents Weekend. I came out to my mom parents weekend of my freshman year. And actually that was just a, it's, it's interesting that that, that moment when you were talking about, it, I'm like, it just took me back. <laughs> um, not only to one, this concept that I love that, um, I remember when Frank Ocean quote unquote came out, I forget when that was. But I wrote a blog and, a, and an open letter to him that went viral. And it's one of the spaces where I introduced a concept that was actually given to me by Karamo Brown, who does Queer Eye. And he has his talk show, right? Real world. And it was that concept of letting people in. And the idea that at least for black folk, um, that there's a different way that we relate to people in our lives and that it was challenging this idea that coming out makes you the spectacle when in fact you're ultimately just letting people into your life. And so as you were telling the story, it was a moment like, well, I'm not really doing anything. I'm just opening my more of my life to you. Uh, I think about my mom, like it wasn't, we didn't snuggle because I had like a little twin room and, 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 a, and a dorm. But I remember her just simply asking me, well, one, there was kind of a light bulb moment she had where there had always been some questions. And I think me letting her in was like, oh, wow, like a lot of things that I didn't maybe understand at certain journeys or pivots in your life now kind of are clarifying but her primary question was like, are you okay? You know, um, and I think there's just a special connection between a, a, a mother and a son around that. And, you know, in spite of the tragedy that happened thereafter, the idea that he was assured in that moment that you loved him is a gift so many of our young people don't get. Um, so yeah, thank you for sharing that. I think it's so important. Um, you know, so many parents struggle and I know that, um, we were in a, a season of grief at that time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, accepting and having that love space with me and him. I, I asked him to defer sharing it with his dad, who was just grieving the loss of his father. Mm -hmm. And 
Um, you know, I, I question that, right? Like my husband's capacity to hear, you know, mm-hmm. trying to protect him in some, in some regards from what I might have misconstrued or perceived as, as being a difficult conversation for him to, to muster. Cause I just never see my husband. So, so broken. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, you know, so Vic lived in sort of a, a, a stifled rage and anger from like October to December. Mm. Um, feeling like I, I was trying to stop him from fully expressing who he was. And I, and I remember cause it was Christmas break and he was just, he finally just like fully expressed that. And I was like, Oh baby, this had nothing to do with you. I was just saying, give daddy a minute to not have to deal with any more change, any more shift, any more anything. I was like, let's go tell him right now. Cause he's good right now. It was another 60 days. You know what I mean? And once he got that, it wasn't about stifling him. He was like, Oh, I'm good. Like, I mean, it went from like level 10. <laughs> to, oh, let me bounce. it wow. over my And I was like, I felt so bad that for like those 60 days, he had been just building up this rage and feeling, um, othered or isolated and I was like no 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 you know like communication is so important right but it also put me just into that inquiry like you were saying with so many young people who whose families may not know how to accept I think it's also interesting and significant that letting you in was connected to an experience of love on your your on Vic's part right because I think for me the moments when I felt most compelled is like you know, I'm in love and like, I love my family so much that I want to share that joy. Like, I don't even feel, I, I don't feel fully human if I have to hide something that I'm so happy about from right. other people that I care about. I think there was a moment when my letting in was about me and I didn't consider that my mom had her own coming out process and that there were people that were going to ask, well, is he married yet? You know, when is he going to have, you know, you you know, (laughs) all of the things, all all the things, things. (laughs) and, and my mom in those moments, one needed the toolkit to like, how do I have those conversations? Like I hadn't had to think about how to answer that. And um, what if I'm judged? I, I was referring to, I think it was 2000. It was absolutely 2008. Well, that was the Obama mm-hmm. first election, right? Yeah. And I remember distinctly because I was partnered at the time and AOL Black Voices, which will resonate for some of you, asked me to, and you can, I think you can still find it, um, asked me to do a story because I was going home and it was the first time I was going to introduce a partner to my mom. And I think the story was called, you know, Hi Mom, Introducing My Partner. Um, and it was after the Obama election, that story was the most popular story i think in that fall uh but i also remember reading some of the comments and oddly a lot of them were indictments on my mom it was Mm -hmm. almost like you're failing as a parent because you are accepting 
this lifestyle. And I don't think I, w- I don't think I was prepared. Like, I'm just like, how can people hate my mom for like loving her? <laughs> it just seemed, <laughs> it seems so counterintuitive to me. Yeah. Like, you know, like if I, I was okay with them being upset with me, I was okay with them uh, directing that vitriol or that indoctrinization, as you say, on me. Cause I was like, that was in some way, not a choice, but like I made that choice. And so I was prepared for that, but I was really upset that they were judging my mom, (laughs) my mom's decision to embrace, to love me and to love my partner at the time as an extension of that. Um, And, you know, I don't, my mom and I have not had, you know, she's a Southern Baptist woman, church going all the good things, but I think um, the principle of love, like, it it overshadows all the minutia of like <laughs> you know particular scriptures and whatever. And she's just like, "Are you okay?" And yeah. I love. I think some of my mom's concern wasn't, "I don't want you to be who you are," but that like, "I need you to be okay. Uh, I want you to want someone being violent to you." I don't. I remember my mom calling me after Pulse, and we hadn't talked a lot about orientation, but I think in that moment. She was she she was like some people lost their kids in this nightclub, yeah. and to hear about that, it's like I need you to be safe, right? And so I think sometimes the the, the paradigms we have for understanding acceptance are very much in a white dominant cultural yeah. space, and that sometimes people misinterpret concern as a lack of affirmation. I don't th- think it's that. I think sometimes it's like. I don't want my kid to be hurt. I don't want my kid to to have to go through danger and rejection and all these other things. And to your point, if maybe you don't have the tools to communicate that in the most smooth way, but I, I think sometimes it gets misinterpreted as rejection. And I think it's a rejection of wanting like of their son being vulnerable, of their kid not being safe in the world. I think that's really safe to say, right? Like, Vic was telling me about date night with, with Mike and the rejection that they were feeling. And I was just like, stop being focused on haters, put yourself in safe spaces, stay close, you know, stay close to the campus. You don't have to go to the movies out in the rest of LA, like where, um, you know, where, where you're feeling that kind of hatred or, you know, those, those spaces where you don't feel safe and, you know, Victor was coming into a full embrace of himself during the Jesse Smollett stuff going on. And he was all about, I believe Jesse, right? Like, um, I don't know that he lived to where there was a furtherance in that case. So, you know, (laughs) but we're, 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 Vic was like, these threats against, um, queer men is real. And he was, and he was outraged and, you know, um, and yeah, as a parent, you know, we, we want you to be safe and black mm-hmm. moms are blamed for everything. Right. And so that, that, you know, you know, get a little credit if you succeed, but boy, if you're uh, nervous or asthmatic, underweight or overweight, uh, if you're insecure in any way, it's about your mama, what's your mama do, what your mama wow. do, and I think you're right when you, you added that sort of cultural layer between what's happening in the mm-hmm. dominant 
world and then what's happening in the black world. I remember when my sister, um, Vic, I tried to share his life with her before he talked with me. And I'm sure it was like a pulse, like, help me say this to my, my mom. Mm -hmm. And she rejected the opportunity to give him help. She was like, oh, 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 that's too big. That's too big for me. That's too big for me. You know, you need to go talk to your mom. Like, you just need to go talk to your mom. And she, she didn't allow that auntie space. Right. And I'm just learning this like in the last two weeks, Wow. like in the last, wow. it's been four years. Right. And I'm thinking about, she, I remember some of the conversations where she would say, Oh, have you talked to Victor? And I'd be like, I've talked to Victor all the time. And, and now then you understand right? she was at. Now she was, you get right. right. If I knew she was like seeing something, but she, to me, she, and I told her just recently, like you violated that covenant of adults, like yeah. where we cover our children by back channeling conversations. Right. Yeah. And, um, and I was like, mm. and so I was like, yeah, that was a, a really missed opportunity for me to be able to demonstrate to my son who was questioning, right? His ability to receive what he saw as give to all these other young people. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So though he knew us to be totally accepting, affirming, and embracing of his queer friends, he was still living in the, my parents are pillars in the community, are leaders in the church. And I just felt in my spirit a need to get my arms around Vic. That's all I kept saying. And I was looking mm. forward to the weekend. I was like, no, some, I feel something like in that, mm-hmm. in that sense. And mm-hmm. I was like, but I just, I don't feel none of what you're saying to me um, that's in our indoctrination, right? In the religious indoctrination. I was like, I just want to get my arms around my baby. So when he shares this story with me, which was like, a rambling story that never ended. I was like <laughs> drifting in and out of sleep. Like it was a two hour story <laughs> to get to the plot. I was like, what? Oh, like, where is this going? Right. Victims always get yes. a bottom line <laughs> in your face, <laughs> you know, but I mean, I really started going, okay, so it was the summer of 72. And what did you read? <laughs> I, I, I was like, baby, cause I could just, which, which is really interesting. Tasha, like, you reflected like, like Otherwise, he was very direct. And I think I I share in that because as much as I had built up, prepared for what I, whatever I prepared fell apart <laughs> once my mom got there. And I, I can even imagine, I was like, I, I'm sure I did a lot of that dancing around. I also remember in my dorm space, what we used to call it, at least back in the day, which which I think the other tragic thing about these stories, right, uh, I'm 51. Like, I taught Tasia when she was 14. Um, that that same, you're describing something, and it just takes me back to my own experience. I remember D-gaying my, my dorm room. So I had pictures of certain... Wait, you did what? I think I had a picture of Prince. Um, somewhere. D-gay his face. Hey, yeah, it was like, was like the, the dorm room, love. because I was like, I want to tell my mom, but I don't want her to find out because she saw posters or things in my room. So I was overthink. I was, it, t- so and I think that's what led to this wow. kind of rambling because I, I, I don't imagine and I can't empathize with a kid that loses, like a, a, a kid that who's Parents say, 
don't come home. I or you're not welcome or I don't love you anymore. I'm fortunate that I didn't have that experience, but knowing that there are young people that go through that, I can't even begin to imagine how traumatic that is. Uh, you know, we do see more LGBT people in media and in the public eye. And I think stigma is a little different, but it's still very much there. And I think it shows up in those moments, to your point, talking to your family and just thinking about the idea that, wow, like there was a judgment of you for allowing a space for Vic's partner to be sort of honored and recognized you know, in that moment. The crazy part about it is the the main topic or the main subject of that conversation is I and the focus of the event was not them, it was Victor. And so if it's mm. when it's time to celebrate your life, we'll celebrate it the way that it's supposed to be celebrated. But this is Victor's life. So we're gonna celebrate Victor's life the way that it cele- needed to be. And you did that. That's just open the celebration and then you had the actual celebration of his life that was first magnificent non-mormon to have his services at the yes mormon it was at the mormon temple <laughs> <laughs> and that well is- you know I, I don't know if you knew this Tasha. with, with, with the nation of islam being security <laughs> oh my god it was all the thing it was all the thing if that doesn't say anything to you about but, but if, if that if that but that's also, and it, I'm I'm laughing here because I left my dad's evangelical church at 12 and became a Mormon and got excommunicated when I came out. So I know all about the temples. Very interesting. Um, just the, the what it brings to mind to me, because I, I know we're getting closer to time, is just this, what can radical inclusion look like that like gets beyond um Mm. the sort of ruptures of ideology and this is what i believe and i think there's something more basic and i think our nation and tasia i'm curious what you think about this because i know you do a lot in the political space and in some ways maybe california's protected from some of that sometimes i'm like okay wake up this has been a real long bad dream but i think we are in a space with the conviction of that radical inclusion and those moments that you created that you helped to curate i think are such a beautiful testament to like human possibility and our humanity and the best of who we are as people and I don't know if you've written a book, but the whole time I've been sitting here talking to you, I'm like, Tasian, when is she writing the book? <laughs> like, when is the book going to be written? Because I just feel like it's a, there's an amazing, powerful story in that. Like, I want to write the foreword or the introduction. <laughs> you know, I want to be the thought partner that reaches out to you say, okay, have you written that next chapter yet? Because I, I feel like if there's any way to honor Vic's legacy is to share your story. And I hear in particular from black mothers that don't have the language, that don't have the communication tools, that have all the questions that there are too few tools out there for them. Because there is, you know, if you're black and on some level or another, unless you're just an anomaly, the 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 weight of the black church has played a role in what you've been calling indoctrination. And it's hard to shake. Um, I will, you know, uh, 
And I will say, because I know we are, but like Jamal, Dr. Jamal Harrison Bryan is one of my mm-hmm. bros. And he just attended, I think that it was some conference. I do not want to get the name wrong, but if you go on his Instagram, he participated in one of the clips that he shared where he's like, I'm apologizing for the black church and for every like black pastor because we have blood on our hands for the hate that we have spewed from the pulpit. And he included himself in it um, because we have not taken the time to really sit down and understand um, the com- this community um, to recognize how this intersects with, you know, our love for God and not spew hate at the same time. And so mm-hmm. it was, it's, a, it's a really powerful one minute, 60 second clip that he has. On you know, the, you got to send me that. Look, I feel like this conversations, we needed a genealogy because I know Jamal Bryant because one of my closest friends from college is Dr. Tama Bryant, his oh, sister, his sister, who, um, who my, is who is the president of the American Psychological he's Association. He's one of my heroes. I love her. One of the reasons we I got are we are super work. close. We were at Essence Festival together uh, just recently, um, and that shocks me because I think <laughs> one of the tensions I've always had with Tama is like, well, your brother be saying some stuff. <laughs> like, I, no, I, I know I, you love your, I know you love your brother, but I was growing up in the church. My choir director was gay. We knew certain ushers were gay. We And these were full included members of the community. Now, the external society had not become accepting, right? So there was always the safety issue, right? Mm. People were, were doing things so that they were safe. They had enclaves where they were safe, but it wasn't. So things were not necessarily spoken from shame, but for safety. Wow. So when you talked about that radical inclusion, I think the radical love imperative is always for for the Christian, right? If we're talking to Christian people that love conquers fear, covers mm. the multitude of fault, and is mm. the only mm-hmm. mandate of Christ. Yes. That you love, you love, mm. and if you fail to love, you are not of God, right? That that's is that simple. Seven, right? Like God is love. <laughs> You love as God. If you do not love as God, you are not of God. Hush. Right. And so when we come to that and we begin to say, well, I don't understand. I'm curious. I don't get why you are the way you are, why you want to wear pants. And I think women should wear dresses, why you're in a robe. And I think men should wear pants. I'm curious, not judging. Then I can ask you a question. Let you explain yourself. And then we can all say that God knows all. And I'm just here to love you. To be an instrument of love. And with that. Well, I was like, that's a great way to end it. I do want to, I am going to be pushing you on this book. I got people at my door. Um, this has been healing for me in so many ways. I've, I'm a new fan. So make sure we get connected. I'm going to um, connect you guys. I love absolutely. you, Dad. Let's stay Love connected. you. Love you, I too. You. Thank you so much. Okay. So come on, check yourself before you wreck yourself. Check.